Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. Coming up. We always take our investigations and we start here locally. Uh, We're going based upon the facts uh, and those facts. If those facts lead us outside of Austin or they lead us outside of the state of Texas, then we react. For Volt Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. And I'm Will Johnson. You're listening to The Daily Crime. Before Will and I get into the two stories we're going to talk about on today's episode, we wanted to take a minute to share some resources our partner station, Ken's Five in San Antonio, has put together to help those affected by the mass shooting in Uvalde, Texas this week. For those in the area that want to donate blood, you can look for available appointments through the University of Health System based out of San Antonio at universityhealthsystem.com. And the primary blood bank for the region is the Texas Blood and Tissue Center. You can make appointments as they come available at donor.southtexasblood.org. Anyone looking to donate money directly to those affected, Victims First has set up a GoFundMe called the Texas Elementary School Shooting Victims Fund. Victims First is a nonprofit created by families who've gone through similar experiences. And they say donations to that fund will go directly to the victims in cash payments. One last resource I'll mention, the Community Foundation of Texas Hill Country has started a relief fund that you can donate to at communityfoundation.net. Ken's Five will be updating a list on their website with other donation opportunities as they're announced. You can find that at kensfive.com. That's kensnumber5.com. And all the links I mentioned will be in the show notes of this episode. Thanks. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. Read on yesterday's episode of The Daily Crime, you interviewed Jeremy Ahola at Nine News in Denver about a married couple accused of trying to steal seven properties using forged signatures and fake notaries. And it turns out this isn't an entirely unique situation. Back in 2021, our partner station WFAA in Dallas covered a similar story, and it was back in the news this month. So tell us about that story. Yeah, well, there are some striking similarities. This is another story involving the attempted theft of multiple properties. This case, covered by Tanya Eisfer and Mark Smith at WFAA, involves an 82-year-old man named Arnold Young, who had amassed a small real estate empire in Dallas that included nine homes, part ownership of a funeral home, and some land in East Texas. In the fall of 2020, he was diagnosed with prostate cancer, and that progressed quickly, and he ultimately passed away in February of 2021. And so at that point, his family went to settle his estate, and they thought it would be simple enough, but that didn't end up being the case. And so what happened? Well, Arnold Young had planned ahead. He had a will from 2014 listing the relatives who would inherit his various properties. He'd also designated his niece, Audrey Hogg, and his sister as executors. But then shortly after Young's death, family members discovered that deeds had been filed 
with the Dallas County Clerk's Office transferring ownership of nine of Young's houses, all of which in total had a value of more than a million dollars. So, Reed, who was ownership of all these properties supposedly transferred to? Well, one of these deeds transferred ownership to a tenant of one of the houses, and then the other eight went to a nonprofit called Mutual Freedom, and that was registered to a mailbox at a UPS store in Dallas. And the date on those deeds was July 8th, 2020, which was about seven months before Arnold Young died, but they weren't actually filed at the county clerk's office until after Young's death. And they appeared to be signed by Arnold Young, but what his niece told WFA is that the family knew immediately that those signatures were not her uncle's. She says they were forged, and police, as well as a handwriting expert hired by the family, would ultimately agree with that, that they were forged. And so that's you know the thread that that's pulled and that starts to unravel this whole situation. The next thing the family looks into is the notary on the deeds, and that's a woman named Belinda Tucker. And Belinda Tucker and her husband Anthony, it turns out, are the founders of Mutual Freedom, which is the nonprofit that eight of the homes had been transferred to. And Young's niece said, you know, there's no way he would have done that. She'd never even heard of Belinda and Anthony Tucker. So, Reed, if Belinda Tucker was notarizing deeds, transferring property ownership to herself, I mean, is that even legal? So it looks like that's one of the first things that Arnold Young's family and their attorney kind of pressed when they started raising questions about all of this. And according to the Texas Secretary of State's rules for notaries, a notary is a, quote, third party who has no interest in the transaction, end quote. So the family's attorney says, absolutely not. You can't notarize something you have an interest in. You can't notarize deeds transferring a property to a nonprofit that you founded. Yeah, that that makes sense. So what was Belinda Tucker's explanation for all of this, did she say? Well, the short version is that She said this was all on the up and up, and in a six-page statement to WFAA, she claimed she was the victim of a conspiracy involving Young's family, the police, and city officials. Tucker says that Arnold Young had reached out to her to console her after she'd been shot by a neighbor in 2019, and that he later asked her to notarize some documents. And she says that's when she noticed there were deeds being transferred to her nonprofit, and she said that, that he was being so generous that she couldn't say no. She says he also showed her a copy of his will at that point, naming her charity as a beneficiary of those properties. But she said she was struggling with bouts of depression, and that's why she didn't do anything with the properties until she heard about Young's death, and that that's why the deeds were signed in July of 2020, but filed after his death. Police have told WFAA that Belinda Tucker failed to provide any evidence of a relationship with Arnold Young. She didn't give them phone records, emails, text messages, anything to substantiate that she knew Arnold Young and Arnold Young knew her. And so after the family finds those deeds and starts raising questions, trying to figure out what is going on, Tucker would continue to stand by her story. And so for the past year or so, there's been a court battle over who the rightful owner of these properties are. Belinda and Anthony Tucker contested the 2014 will, but in January of this year, The probate judge threw out that challenge and concluded that the 2014 will was the valid will. Now, in a court filing, the family is asking the courts to set aside the deeds that they say are fraudulent and return the houses to Young's estate. Well, I mentioned earlier that there's been some recent news here. What's going on? What's the latest in this saga? So this month, a Dallas County grand jury indicted Belinda and Anthony Tucker on a felony theft charge, accusing them of engaging in a scheme to steal the nine houses. Belinda Tucker was also indicted on another theft charge, that one accusing her of fraudulently selling one of the houses to an unsuspecting buyer. 
The family's attorney said that those charges were a long time coming. She says she's happy it finally happened. But, you know, for this family, they lost a loved one. And instead of being able to grieve, they've been tied up in this ugly court battle. And they say it's cost the estate more than $100,000. And now the family is grieving another loss. Arnold Young's younger sister passed away just this month. So she died without ever receiving her rightful inheritance from her brother. And her daughter says this whole situation was weighing really heavily on her. And she even said she believes her mom died of a broken heart. So it's just an awful, heartbreaking situation for this family. And we'll be keeping an eye on reporting from our partners at WFA to see what comes next. Back on May 11th, Anna Mariah Wilson was shot and killed inside an Austin, Texas home. Will, tell us a little bit about the case. Investigators say that Wilson, who was a rising star in the professional cycling world, was visiting Austin from San Francisco ahead of a bicycle race in Texas where she was set to compete that upcoming weekend. She was staying with a friend when this happened. This is what we were hearing on partner station KVU in Austin just two weeks ago. And Austin police have confirmed tonight that they're investigating the murder of a rising star in the cycling world. 25-year-old Mariah Wilson was shot multiple times in an East Austin home on Maple Avenue late Wednesday night. First responders say she died as they were trying to save her. Police believe Wilson was shot from the inside of her home. Before we talk more about the case, you mentioned Wilson was a rising professional cyclist. What else can you tell us about her? That's right. And I I mentioned she was in Austin for a race. She'd won several gravel and mountain bike races recently, and she had a summer of racing planned. She'd, in fact, recently chosen to leave her job and become a full-time professional bike racer focusing on gravel racing. She was also an accomplished alpine skier, was a member of the alpine ski team, during her time at Dartmouth College uh, before shifting gears and becoming an elite bike racer. And she was just 25 years old at the time of her death. The family of Anna Mariah Wilson issued a statement. In part, it says, we are absolutely devastated by the loss of our beautiful daughter and sister, Anna Mariah Wilson. There are no words that can express the pain and suffering we're experiencing due to this senseless, tragic loss. Mariah was talented, kind, and a caring woman. The family also added that Wilson was not in a romantic relationship with anyone at the time of her death. U.S. Marshals say if you have any information in this case, you're asked to call law enforcement. So, Will, it's pretty soon after Wilson was found dead that police would come out and name a person of interest in the case. Tell us about that. Right. They named Caitlin Marie Armstrong as a person of interest, and police are still searching for her. U.S. Marshals say she's a yoga teacher and a realtor in the area. According to an affidavit, Mariah Wilson had a brief relationship last year with a man with whom Armstrong is involved and, in fact, living with. That man was revealed to be Austin professional cyclist Colin Strickland. So three names here involved in this case. There's Mariah Wilson, who was shot and killed. There's Caitlin Marie Armstrong, who is, in fact, on the run, as far as we know. And then there's this man, Colin Strickland. Now, according to police, that relationship is a possible motive in this case, that Wilson spent time with Strickland the day she was killed, and that potentially angered Caitlin Marie Armstrong. Here's KVU's Matt Fernandez with more about what we know about Wilson's final day. Wilson and Armstrong's boyfriend went swimming at Deep Eddy Pool the day she was killed. They then went to eat and they dropped her off at a house on Maple Avenue where Wilson was staying. 
We have surveillance video that shows an SUV leaving where Wilson was staying. Authorities are now trying to find that vehicle. It's a black Jeep Grand Cherokee. And U.S. Marshals say they got about 30 tips but really need the public's help in finding Armstrong. Now, police were able to identify that SUV as Armstrong's vehicle. She is described by police as 35 years old with brown hair and hazel eyes. So police have that surveillance video. As you mentioned, they believe it's Armstrong's SUV leaving the house where Wilson was staying. What else can you tell us about the timeline of of the night Wilson was killed? Colin Strickland dropped Wilson off at that East Austin home where she was staying around 8.30 the night of the murder. Strickland made it back to his home where he was living with Armstrong, so that was about 8.45 that night. Armstrong then, according to police, arrived back at that home in the SUV described in the affidavit sometime after 9.20 that night, so really a very short time frame from when she was dropped off at 8.30 to when Armstrong was seen or that SUV was seen around 9.20. And then the woman with whom Wilson was staying called police just a short time later. Police have also learned that Strickland actually lied to Armstrong the day of Wilson's murder to hide the fact that he had spent time with her that day. At some point in all of this, Armstrong was detained by police and questioned, right? Right. Caitlin Marie Armstrong was later arrested for an outstanding Class B warrant, but then questioned in connection to Wilson's murder. She said she heard about Wilson's death from Colin Strickland, but was not able to explain why her vehicle was in the area when they told her about that video evidence. The affidavit states she did not make any denials surrounding the statements presented to her. And then she requested to leave. So the interview ended and she was last seen by her boyfriend on May 13th and police have not seen her since either. Will, are there any other details we've learned from investigators about this investigation at this point? Yes, there are. On May 13th, a friend of Wilson's told a detective that Wilson and Colin Strickland were having an on-again, off-again relationship that started back in the fall of 2021. That friend also said that Armstrong discovered Wilson's number and contacted her several times, prompting Wilson to block Armstrong's phone. And then the last time Armstrong called Wilson, Armstrong reportedly told her she was with Strickland and that Wilson needed to stay away from him. That's all according to police records at this point. Police have also heard from an anonymous caller who said they were with Armstrong in January when she just discovered that Strickland was having a romantic relationship with Wilson. The caller said Armstrong was furious and shaking with anger. Now, for his part, on May 20th, Strickland released a statement about Wilson's murder, clarifying his relationship with her and expressing, quote, torture about my proximity to this horrible crime. He went on to say, I had a brief romantic relationship from late October to early November of 2021 that spanned a week or so while Wilson was visiting Austin. And he went on to say, quote, at the time, she and I both had recently ended relationships. She returned to her home in California. And about a month later, Caitlin Armstrong and I reconciled and resumed our relationship. And so, Reed, at this point, the latest from investigators on the search for Caitlin Armstrong is that there's video surveillance of her at the Austin airport on May 14th. So that's a few days after Wilson was killed. They believe she boarded a flight to Houston and then on to New York. She's now facing a murder charge and another charge for fleeing the state. All right. Thank you, Will. And thanks as well to our partner station, KVU in Austin. For more on this story as it continues to develop, our listeners can head over to KVU.com. That's KVUE.com. And thanks for listening to The Daily Crime. We are here five days a week, Monday through Friday. 
And if you haven't already, check out our newest podcast. It's called Should Be Alive, a co-production with KGW in Portland, Oregon. Again, Should Be Alive, follow and listen wherever you listen to podcasts. For Vault Studios, along with Reed Redman, I'm Will Johnson.